Well, friends, welcome back to the Created to Thrive podcast, where we believe that even in the midst of hardship, there is hope and healing for a brighter tomorrow. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Candy McVicker, and we are going to talk about finding hope and healing and navigating grief after the loss of a child. And Candy is a grief support expert who has worked extensively with families who have experienced the heartbreaking loss of a child. In this episode, we're going to dive into the complexities of grieving the loss of a child as Candy shares her own heartbreaking journey and provides valuable insights and advice to those who may be going through a similar experience. We explore the differences in grieving styles between men and women, the importance of seeking support, and practical strategies for navigating the grief journey. Candy knows too well what it's like to seek support and find little or no help. So in response, she channeled the pain of her loss into something positive and founded the Missing Grace Foundation, which supports individuals grieving the loss of a loved one. Through this organization, she has created avenues for healing, education, and commemoration, providing support groups and even grace care packages to those who need it most. Additionally, Candy speaks about her book that she wrote in collaboration with Dr. Gary Chapman, who is the author of The Five Love Languages. And their book explores how to apply the concept of the love languages within the context of grief, providing insights and tools for navigating this difficult emotional journey. And I would love for you to share this episode with your friends and family, anyone who is experiencing the grief and loss of a loved one, because they are going to have equipping, encouraging information and tools and strategies to help them grow through this grief journey. All right, so join us now. I will have all of Candy's information in the show notes, but join us now as we gain deeper understanding and find hope in the face of unimaginable loss. All right, Candy, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. I would love for you to start with your story of your journey. You know, you fall in love, you get married, you have dreams and hopes of having a family. So why don't you start? with that and then tell us about your journey. Well, thank you, Lori. I'm so excited to be able to share today and meet with you and, and reach your listeners. And, um, and I'm sure we'll be able to relate on many different levels. Um, I, um, I married my best friend. Um, we are married three, uh, 23 years now. Um, we got married in 99 in November. And we really wanted to have a good-sized family. Our hope was to have four children. And um, we were very open as well for that to come through naturally as well as uh, with adoption. And, um, and so we, um, we were very blessed when we got pregnant right away. We just, we had anticipated it might take a while. Um, we had other friends who had gone through infertility and and uh, the first pregnancy uh, was wrought with challenges. We, we had um, a really rough time. So I had hyperemesis and was really, really sick and um, lost weight rather than gaining weight, which isn't the best way to go. And then had decreased fetal movement um, in the last few weeks of our daughter's life. And um, 
it, it just was one of those things where I knew something was wrong, but I didn't quite know how to advocate for myself or the baby to get the help I needed. So all I did was I went to the clinic and I said, I'm not really feeling the baby move much anymore. They would listen for Doppler tones and they would wait a while until they found something that satisfied what they wanted to look for, what they wanted to hear. And, and, and then they would tap me on the back and say, you're being a worried first time mom. There's nothing wrong. It's, it's fine. And I'd say, well, could I please get an ultrasound? And they would say, no, it's not necessary. I'm not going to, um, you know, request an ultrasound. So, um, and I wasn't being seen at a high-risk clinic. I was just at a regular family practice doctor at the time. And so at any rate, uh, by the seventh visit, they um, said, you know, we're going to go ahead and um, schedule that ultrasound that you had requested. And I called my husband and asked if he would meet me there. Thankfully, he was able to get out of work and come meet me. And that moment changed our life forever because all of a sudden we were hearing there is no heartbeat. The baby is dead. They actually said it is dead. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her like she was from Mars. I, I just didn't understand what she was saying. It, it literally didn't register. I didn't understand. I knew something wasn't right, but I had never fathomed this meant no more heartbeat. And um, it was a very uh, cold, dark moment because the care at that moment was absolutely atrocious. And, um, you know, the doctor just turned on her heel, left the room and the tech stood up and said, you need to leave and go take care of it. And I, I, I just didn't understand what she meant. Mm. And um, I was in the changing area, um, trying to button my shirt and I couldn't get it buttoned because I was shaking so bad. And I hear her say to my husband, you know, she's crying and she's going to upset our new moms in the waiting room. So I'd like you to take the back exit and walk around the building to your car, please, because I can't have, have her upsetting our new patients mm. that are, um, the new mamas. And he's like, well, she's a new mom. Like she's full with life here, you know, and you're just gave us this horrible news. So I went um, the next morning and we went through 24 hours of labor and I delivered a perfectly beautiful little girl that we named Grace um, and she died due to an umbilical cord issue. Mm. And, uh, you know, I reached out for, um, for help after that. And, and my husband was very, he was very attentive to me, very loving, very caring. We were grieving congruently, but I really needed to talk to some other moms because I was like, I, I, I know he doesn't have the capacity to know how to walk me through what I'm feeling postpartum. And um, I didn't find any support and I kept writing to people and calling people. No one got back to me. And that was the impetus for maybe we're supposed to start something and do something together and try to help other people and try to connect with other people and, and not let them suffer through this alone. But um uh, after losing Grace, um, not only starting missing Grace, but we we decided let's pursue adoption. And instead, I was just too afraid to try uh, initially again. And we had three adoptions that fell through, and one of them right at the finish line. So it was really hard. We walked through everything with that birth mom, and I got to see the baby on the ultrasound. And um, you know, we were gonna be good friends with this mother and, and be able to journey together, but she eloped with a birth father. <clears throat> and then um, we had years of infertility as we tried and tried, nothing was working. And then we found out I had polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis and a blood clotting factor. And so um, 
pregnancy we knew would look very different and to get pregnant and as well as to stay pregnant. And so there became a high risk pregnancy management care. And um, we have two beautiful, healthy children, thank God, uh, a 17 year old and a 14 year old, both girls and, um, and very thankful for them. Um, they came early one 35 weeks and one in 36 weeks, one with um, 10 days in the NICU and the other came home right away with me. Um, and then um, it's a, a story I share about in my book, but um, the last baby uh, was a miracle baby because there was definitely no way I was supposed to ever become pregnant again. And uh, we got pregnant and, um, and that baby is also in heaven. We named that baby Promise and they miscarried at 15 weeks. And so that's kind of our family building story. And um, I'm thankful through all of this. My husband's main, you know, we've maintained a very close friendship and we are each other's advocate and we are each other's greatest cheerleaders. And um, we just enjoy doing life together. So I'm very thankful for that. I know that's not the case for a lot of folks in this world of bereavement. A lot of marriages uh, crash and burn through the process of grieving and male and female grief looking so different. And um, you know, we figured out how to work through those issues, um, together. And, um, I, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that little glimpse of your story and my heart aches at all of the loss that you've experienced and that you didn't have the care and the comfort to console you at your lowest time. So, Thank you for sharing and being so vulnerable and, you know, losing a baby or a child is probably one of the most devastating losses that someone can experience. How do you, how does a parent begin to grieve in that process? And what did you and your husband do when you first had the, with grace? Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, um, I would say that everybody can grieve a little bit differently, but we definitely have common things that um, I would say we could all agree on and, and feel as similar. One of the most common things is right after a loss, you have this sort of shock that it puts it, 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 it releases things in your body that help you function, even though what you're going through is so traumatic. And so somehow you're in this very high functioning level. Uh, you've got to do funeral plans. You've got to take care of arrangements. You've got to pay bills. You've got to, you know, do all of these have tos that really have a very short amount of time and there's an intensity to them. And, and I hear this a lot from people who are the, the loved ones around somebody losing a baby. They're like, oh, they're doing great. Like they're doing amazing. They're going to be just fine because mm -hmm. they're so strong and they, they, they're so together and they're carrying this so well. And so in their mind that equates, this is how it always looks. You're just, you're going to stay in that really good place. You're going to be fine. And you're going to be a functional, you know, and a, a lot of us do look pretty good for a while. Like, it's like, wow, that doesn't look too bad. They're, they're kind of unscathed through this situation. Well, you don't see the time in the shower, the time in the car, the time with insomnia throughout the night when you're not sleeping, you don't see as things begin to set in, you know, your milk coming in your, your, your baby room set up and your, your, your baby shower is being canceled or your, 
you know, all of the things behind the scenes as you get new announcements of people having a baby and you're still is gone and you don't get to have them and, um, you know, baby showers you're invited to and you can't go to and intimacy with your spouse and how you have to navigate that. What is that going to look like now? You know, this is where babies are made. Are we ready to really go there? And do I want to be raw and open and vulnerable again? You know, and um, it, it affects every single aspect and you can't calculate that. You can't really anticipate mentally, oh, it's going to affect everything. Like the first time you sit in a, in a chair at a hair salon, you have to decide, what do I say? Because you're going to be asked if it's a new stylist, how many children do you have? And you have to decide, do I want to go there? Do I want to talk about it? How do I talk about it? Um, so you, you, your whole life, you can anticipate in that raw moment of fresh grief, how much this is part of your entire being. You physically feel it, you spiritually feel it, you emotionally feel it. Mind, body, and spirit are all affected. And so part of survival and grief is just doing what you know how to do. Like maintaining normalcy is typically what a lot of us have to figure out. We just have to just, you eat your favorite foods, you, you, you know, you have your routines and you, you do them because sometimes routine feels comforting. You, you know, you try to, some people, the differences might be somebody wants to sleep all the time and they can, and, you know, it's, they're depressed. Other people that want to sleep can't they're, you know, wide awake and wired. That was me. I wanted to sleep, but my husband could sleep. So like, like he'd be over there sleeping so soundly. And I'm like, how are you doing that? Um, <laughs> But, um, and then we have, you know, the coping skills when you're faced with something new, I had never lost a baby. I had never had a friend who lost a baby. Like I had, I, this was a fully foreign territory for me. I had no idea what I was in. I didn't understand all the emotions. I didn't understand how to deal with these deep feelings. I, I didn't know what to do with all of that. I felt very isolated, very alone, even though I had a wonderful spouse with me. He didn't know how to help answer all these difficult questions, which some couldn't be answered. They were like God questions that I was wrestling with, with faith. Um, but I, I just also, you, you, um, you end up having coping skills that you need to develop and you learn from reading a great book that gave you advice on how they handled it, reading, you know, um, articles and blogs and, and, you know, and talking with other women and going, Oh, that's how you're doing that. Well, that's a cool idea. I like that idea that that helped you. Okay, great. I, I might, in, you know, implement that in my toolbox here, but um, typically all of us will have some coping things that are not healthy, you know, overeating is never great. You know, um, uh, doing overworking out, you can do anything in overabundance, right? Um, shopping too much, you know, retail therapy is awesome, but the credit card bill is not awesome. Right. Um, and so there's all these things that in moderation could be really good. You know, there's nothing wrong for somebody to have a glass of wine, but drunkenness and, and being in a stupor and waking up, you know, hungover, not a good thing, but a lot of people do it. You know, they're, they're just trying to medicate this pain. Mm -hmm. And so I would say as a, as a believer, as a, as a Christian woman that, you know, faith is, is first and foremost, and that can be one of the hardest things to run to, because you can feel betrayed by God. You can feel, you know, like God didn't protect you or cover you. Like I felt those things. Um, and you, you know, wrestling it out, 
and yeah. doing the hard work early on is my greatest advice. I feel I could give in this area. A lot of people delay grief and they, they put it on a back shelf or they ignore it or they shove it under the rug and, and they really don't want to go there. And actually a lot of people are not supported to go there by their loved ones around them because they don't want to go there. And so there's a boundary set by a lot of people in your life that might say, you know, that's really sad. I feel bad that it happened, but can we stay in the land of happy? Let's just focus on the good things and not really discuss that. But this was a person. There was a forever person that was created and there's still an existence in all of eternity and, and, and their spirit came forth, you know, with a physical body through the miracle of creation. And I say, I co-created with God, you know, like he did the miracle part of it. And I, with love created a child with my husband. Now that those babies of mine, I believe are in heaven they're for always, but this life was supposed to be my children outliving me, not me outliving my children. So the, the order of things was not how it played out. And so now you have to wrestle with that. Mm -hmm. So to try to just trick your body into thinking this wasn't that important and that this was something easily gotten over is, yeah. is a travesty yeah. because that's basically saying their life doesn't matter. And so they are deserving of our, of our tears. They are deserving of our grief and of our honor. And they are also deserving of our joy. Yeah. So in, in this grief, wrestle, struggle, messiness, rawness, there, there's a point that you can also come to a realization that your baby doesn't have a happier afterlife because you're miserable. Right. So uh, it's a lie. A lot of parents, I feel, especially moms will say is if I have joy again, and I go on and I'm happy, even if I have another child again, it's almost like spitting in the face of my child, like, Oop, I got over it. You're a blip and you don't matter. Or I'm so happy and joyful. And you know, what kind of a parent would I be if I don't stay depressed and in a bad place? And I can tell you being a mother of living children and what those kids are like when mommy's sad, what do they want? Mommy, what's wrong? Smile. Yeah. Mommy here, let me do something to make you laugh. See, isn't this funny? And they, they do everything they can to give you joy, yeah. right? They just want to see you happy when mommy and daddy are happy and they're hugging and they're kissing. It makes them feel safe and secure and they're happy. And so I really believe the Lord showed me that to say grace and promise are happy in heaven when you're happy. Mm -hmm. Like there is a joy that is brought through. It says we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So I think sometimes God peels back heaven and lets us see us do really well at our finish line in different things, you know, look at cheer them on. They're, they're just accomplishing this great thing, or they're bringing another precious child into the world and, and they cheer you on. And then they go back to doing their business in, in heaven, you know, as we continue in the struggle of life and, and the trials and tribulations we have here, but the baby, um, uh, I, I, I don't believe is, is wanting mom and dad to be really sad and miserable and to stay in a bad place. Yeah. Um, and so I, I implore, you know, I encourage bereaved mamas and dads to do the hard work of grief, feel the feels, go through the emotions, process with the support group, process with a counselor, process with a pastor, process together, process alone, journaling, whatever you need to do, walking, you know, talking and praying it to God. And then, um, and then go ahead and be okay with like, I, I'm okay to say I'm okay now. I, I am in a better place. I, I feel peace now. 
I still miss them. I still long for them. I still love them. I, that doesn't negate their life because I have joy again. Um, but don't push joy out of the, the picture because you feel that that's dishonoring and, um, and, you know, be willing to do the hard work because grief is actually really hard work. It is very taxing to process grief, but it's very important and it will pay off. Yeah. I did. I looked, I didn't look so good in the beginning. A lot of people, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, Candy is changing before our eyes. She's like depressed. She's, you know, not, not, um, interacting with people the way she used to. She seems to be, you know, more recluse. I did a lot of grief internally and on my own. And then I also did it with my support group and my counselor and my husband and my pastor, but I looked like I wasn't doing well in the beginning. Cause I did it full on. I just was like, I'm doing this work. And then now I'm in a much better place. And, um, I think some people are like, how can you be doing so well? Like you're Mm -hmm. fine. It's just, let's look back at all those years. I actually worked really hard on this. Yeah. Do the work and then you'll be blessed through that. And, you know, be blessed in your, um, your joy journey as well. He does give us beauty for ashes and joy for mourning. And that's not the morning M-O-R-N-I-N-G. It's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And so your grief and sorrow can be turned for something beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all that. And there was so much in what you shared. We could do many more podcasts just on, on that alone. But what I hear you say is one, grief is very personal and it doesn't look the same for you. And it didn't look the same for your husband. And I do want to talk about that. Um, and then also you have to do that work. There's no sidestepping doing the work of grieving that process. And you actually learn skills and you develop, um, things that will help you move forward. And, it prepared you too to encounter the different losses that you had to not be down and out and to not get divorced and to do the things that a lot of people aren't willing to do to see it through the end. So can you speak to how men and women grieve differently and how you had to find support? Like, where did you go to get support and how did you grieve individually, but then also as a married couple? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, um, again, there's always nuances to this, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to speak to the generals. Okay. To, to talk to that. And generally what I see as a person who's run grief support groups for over 20 years and worked with grieving families in the hospital for 10 years, I, I, I can see both what happens immediately at the time of the loss, as well as years after the, uh, the fact and, and what it looks like down the road. Um, husbands and wives, um, I think often are more close to each other at the time of loss than they are not close to each other. Usually, um, unless it's like where there was a situation where somebody seems to feel like there was a person at fault in a situation with a death Mm -hmm. where let's say it was in the car or something like that, but stillbirth, miscarriage, prenatal loss, uh, you know, perinatal loss, where we're talking early neonates and whatnot, when there's nothing anyone did wrong, there's nothing that somebody didn't, you know, should have done this or done that. It just happens, you know, they came too early or there was an anomaly or, 
um, the baby just couldn't survive in the situation, what have you. Um, they, and when you have those kinds of situations, and I see husband and wife doing grief together pretty well initially, you know, there's a lot of tears together, there's embracing, there's affirmation, there's tenderness, there's, there's a lot of beautiful connection. And so then when all of a sudden there's like, well, why isn't, why are we not seeing eye to eye? Why are we not feeling connected? So we were, but now all of a sudden we're not what happened. Like why now a month after the fact or two months after the fact or three months in that time frame, I would say the first, you know, two weeks to a month, a lot of people feel very close and, and, and now it starts to be different. Well, the female has a lot more words and a lot more verbal processing and emotional processing. Most men I find are going to internalize that more. They're going to say, um, you know, I, I can't have that front and center all day long, or I can't do my job. I can't go to work. I can't function. And they'll compartmentalize it and be like, okay, when I go work in the shop or I go work out, I'll let my mind think about it a little bit. But usually when they're in their core of their job, the mental capacity to both be thinking and being sad and depressed about it and getting what they have to get done doesn't work together. Like I can go around the house cleaning or working on my computer, but I'm still thinking constantly about, you know, my baby in heaven, right? But they're not like, they're not functioning that way. And what happened for me and Steve, we had a, a really defining moment. We were actually headed to go out to dinner and we were sitting in the parking lot of this restaurant. And it really bothered me that he was never mentioning our daughter's name. And he didn't talk about her. Like I think about her all the time. And I said, you know, you never talk about her. You don't say here we are just months out. And I just feel like she just is a blip and she just vanished. And you're, you, is that it? Is that what grief looks like for us? I talk about her all the time, but you don't. And he's like, when's a great time to talk about her? Like when you're really depressed and down, am I going to bring you further down? Or when you're really happy and joyful, and then I'm going to wreck that. Like, when's a good time for me to have my bad days and be depressed, you know? And, um, he was so afraid to do the wrong thing and mm -hmm. didn't know what the right timing was and what, what he had really in his permission in a way, like, what's okay. Tell me what's okay. I don't know how to do this. Okay. And, and, um, he was afraid mentioning her would make me sadder. And I said, you'll never make me sadder by mentioning her name. You give me joy in my heart that we're more, you know, in the same vein of how we're grieving that we both miss her, that she's not forgotten. She's loved. And he's like, Oh, okay. I have permission to do that. And I said, yeah, do you ever think about her? And he said, all the time. I think about her all the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, just mention it. You know, today, when I saw the sunset, I was just really thinking about her today when I saw there were, cause our, our, um, symbol for her was a dolphin and we had gone to Hawaii while we were pregnant and we had a, a muralist come paint dolphins on in the ocean swimming on her wall and 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 so they were very significant to us and so you know oh I saw a dolphin today on on this you know card and it just made me think of her and wow I love that that just alone was a deeper connection point but we had to give you know permission and I had to give him permission in that moment you need to have your bad days too don't try to just be strong for me I need to see your weakness. I need to see, you know, you having your hard days. I need to know that we're more together in that than we are apart. And mm -hmm. 
I need to be able to do something because I, I'm a caregiver kind of person, you know, and I want to care for you in that hurt. I want to love on you in that hurt. What can I do to minister to you? Um, and so that was a big turning point for us because it had started to be where we were very short and quipped and just, you know, we were starting to really irritate each other and bug each other. And we were just, we, there was a, a lack of grace in our communication and, um, and it was all the hurt building up. And so, um, having time to just have it out and to talk it through. And if you don't know how to do that in a healthy way to invite a counselor into the conversation to mediate that, um, and then going to support group, we learned, gosh, so many of these things we're feeling other people are feeling too. And we're not weird. This is actually quite normal. Yeah. And, um, that was very validating, you know, and learning some tools. And like I said, reading books and getting ideas from other people of what we could do. Um, but yes, male and female grief can look very different. And I know some women who they've said their husbands have just said, I just can't do it. I cannot talk about it. And they've come to group and said, I'm here for her, but I don't need this. I don't want this. I, I, this is, makes me very uncomfortable. I, you know, and, and typically the support groups you'll find men will come one or two times. Most of the times it's the women that I'll gather. It's really, really rare when I get a group of husbands and wives all coming together. It's very fun and it works great when there's a bunch of them. And, uh, but overall, if one guy comes and it's a bunch of ladies, he doesn't want to come back because he's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. So it seems like a ladies group, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so a man has to be very comfortable in his own skin and confident to be able to do that kind of thing with his wife. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty interesting, you know, um, over, over the long haul, these guys will say, you know, you do what you got to do. Let me do what I got to do. I still love them. I still love you. I just can't process the same as you. So what I, what I encourage those men to do is say, can you please give her, you know, just a time frame of, I, I I'll, I'll grieve with you on the birthday. Like we'll, we'll just spend the whole day about the baby that day. And I'll mentally prepare that that's my day to put all this feelings and emotions and we'll do it together. I'll be very present in that, you know, give her something where she feels like, I know that day I've got his heart in that area and we're, we're able to process together and let's look at the pictures again. Let's, you know, talk about this again. So I think men do better when they have like, here's the time frame in the, and, and it doesn't last forever. And, it, and it's in this box and I can then put it back on the shelf. Yeah. Women different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Men need the instructions and really just like you said, giving permission and just being very open in your communication, which um, I want to talk about missing grace foundation, the, the nonprofit that you began, but since we're on the topic of men and women grieving differently, you wrote a book recently called holding on to love after you've lost a baby, the five love languages for grieving parents. That's real interesting because you actually co-authored that with Dr. Gary Chapman. Talk about what was the basis for you writing the book and how did that impact your life as well as countless others from reading it? Thank you. Yeah. I, um, I never would have thought I would have written a book that was, I was asked by a lot of people, where's your book? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm not a writer. <laughs> I'm not going to write a book. Um, somebody else can write that book, you know, and then um, to back up to how this began to be seated into my heart. Um, I, I reached out to my online support group. I had an awesome group of, of people that I was um, connected to from all over the world. And we, we were able to post different feelings and thoughts about our grief journey and, and encourage one another. And 
I wrote to them when we were going through that hard time in our marriage. And I just said, you know, any helpful marriage tools out there? Is there any grief books or things that you know of? And everyone's like, no, there's really nothing out there related to marriage and grief. But I will tell you that the five love languages have really helped our marriage. And we realized we were loving each other differently than the other needed to feel loved. And so I would check into that. So I went and got the book. I took the quiz, which helps you understand what your love languages are. And there's five love languages that Dr. Chapman had um, discovered through many, many years of being uh, a pastoral counselor. And he he's worked in the counseling field and a long time. And he was observing all these situations and realizing, you know, people were both very intent, you know, had good hearts and, and intentions, but the spouse did not feel loved. And so he realized we tend to love others the way we want to be loved. And it's not always received in that same way. So for example, um, my top love languages are acts of service and quality time. My husband's top love languages, uh, words of affirmation and physical touch. And then the fifth one that is another one of the love languages is um, gifts to re receiving gifts. Well, an acts of service person is going to love others through service, whatever that looks like. They are a helps ministry person. You need me to do something, tell me what you need me to do. I will do it. You know, if I need to go pick stuff up, drive you somewhere, send the email, you know, um, help you with tangible things, you know, do the hair for the girls for the special occasions, like whatever it is that's a doing thing, I will do it. I will serve you. I'll keep the house clean. You know, I'll make, make good food, whatever. Um, and that's the way I serve and give love. And then quality time is a close runner up for me. Usually people have a primary and then they have like a close secondary and um, time is precious and valuable to me. So if I'm sharing my time with you, that's a way to love you. And if you're sharing your time with me, it's a way to love me. And um, so like one of the worst things you could say to a person with quality time um, as their love language is like, I've got a few seconds, but that's about it. Make it quick. <laughs> the person's like already emotionally shut down, like, oh gosh, okay. And then for my husband with words of affirmation, you know, he, um, he really wants honest feedback and words that speak into his life. So, uh, you know, appreciation, gratitude, um, like he always is writing me and telling me loving things, which was very sweet, but I really didn't care about it. It didn't matter to me. I, I feel terrible saying that, but at the time, not understanding, you know, he would just be like, I love you so much. I appreciate you so much. And I was like, yeah, yada, yada, go, go help me vacuum. Like I need the kids diaper chain, like just do something. And, and I just, I, you know, and he would just be horrified because he's like sharing this precious heart of his with me to tell me all these thoughts. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, and so, of course, if you don't value words of affirmation the way the other person does, you minimize words and you don't you don't think as clear, you know, about how I should say things. Right. So we could all learn a lot from a, a love a person who has words of affirmation as their top um, because we tend to be more callous or more short or not not as thoughtful with how we're saying things. And and, you know, he was literally word starved from me in that area. I could talk about a lot of things, but I wasn't saying the right things yeah. to speak to his heart. And then he's, you know, physical touches his next runner up. Well, I'm, you know, 
I wasn't thinking I should put my hand on his back as I'm in the kitchen. You know, I should put my hand around him and just hug him more. He's always very huggy and affectionate towards me, but I wasn't, you know, he was feeling like I'm always the initiator in that, you know? And I, I'm like, gosh, I, it wasn't for lack of love. Like I love him like crazy. I just had to learn to love him the way he needed to feel love better. Right. And, and, and everybody likes all of them. Now it's nobody's like, Oh, I hate this one love uh, language. You know, it's just, and I joke that there's a, another love language and, and it's food. Cause you know, they say food is the way to man's heart. I would say, no, it's the way to a woman's heart. I love food. <laughs> I love good food. And my husband's a chef, so he knows how to cook really good food. So that's one of the ways that got me. He cooked me a good meal anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so as we took this test and this was early on in our grief and we started to put this into practice and I started to shift how I showed him love and he shift how he shows me love. It began to oil the wheels of our marriage in the grief process. Like we had a lot more grace and love for each other in, in our actions and words and our touch and, and how we are doing things, which when you're grieving and hurting so bad, it just incredibly like amazing how it just helped so much. Like I just saw such a shift in our relationship. And so I thought, well, this is an interesting thing. Like what if I began to implement this into the support groups that I facilitate? So I brought the five love languages book and the, the quiz and everything. And I said, you know, we have a bunch of couples right now. We actually had a huge group of couples that were attending. And I said, why don't you guys um, do this test? Just, just, you know, let's just see what, what happens here. And they all took the test and we had a lot of laughter about it and how differently everybody was in as a couple. Cause usually you don't marry someone exactly like you. It's rare when you're someone's like, oh, we're the exact same love languages. Most are not. Right. And so I said, well, let's begin to practice this. And when we come back next month, let's all talk about how did it work? Like, what did you do? What changed in your marriage and, and how did it help? And so I got a really good several years of being able to see how this worked. And I was like, this is actually a great tool. So I just did that. And then at a marriage conference, which my husband and I would go regularly to, um, there was a speaker there and it had to be Dr. Gary Chapman and God just divinely and um, connected us at the conference and I, um, I just said, Hey, where's, where's the book? Do you have a book already that I don't know of? Or are you going to be writing a book on how to use the grief, the five love languages when you're grieving? Cause I said, I think it, it's just such a beautiful tool and I've been using it this whole time and my, my support groups. And I just think it would be an awesome book if you could write that. And he goes, well, I get asked for that book all the time. And people talk to me all the time about how they would love a book on this issue. And he goes, but I didn't have the right person to write it with till today. And he said, we're going to write that book together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I no, I don't write books. Like I was like, oh my gosh, wrong lady, you know? And, and he was like, no, you're the person for this. We're going to write this book together. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, I mean, I went home and kind of pinched myself like what just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was amazing. God just brought it together. He wanted to bring it forth. And um, I, I'll just say for every aspiring author who's not there yet, it was not easy. It was hard for me. It took me years to write that book. I went on many grief writing retreats trying to figure out how to get it out. I'll put onto my computer and type it. I did a lot of delete, delete, delete. And, um, and then finally it was brought forth. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I'm thankful it's out there and that people can use it. I've had wonderful feedback that people have been very much helped by it. And one one woman, she said, I carry it in my purse because when I don't know what to do at a certain point, I open to that chapter and I go, okay, what does Candy say I'm supposed to do here in Dr. Chapman? And, um, and so I do think it's a good marriage tool and it's a good tool for anybody who works with grieving families to understand as an outsider looking in, how can we help people better? Because it does help you understand our process and also tools for how to speak to people on these issues and how to help them better. So, um, yeah, that's how the love languages got, um, into my life and how this book came about. Yeah. I love God's stories and how can people get the book? So those, because one thing that I have, I've noticed is that, um, people have a hard time walking alongside someone else who's grieving because we want them to hurry up and get over it. Like you said, which you never get over because it's a part of you. And so you work through that, but how can they get access to your book? Uh, so they can go to Amazon. They can go to my website, candymcbicker.com, which I'm sure you can include in the podcast notes. Um, and um, we give the books away um, as a gift in all of our grace care packages with our foundation that we'll talk about. Um, but um, you, yeah, you can order them online. You can order them by phone. Um, you can, you know, um, get them on most online stores. Actually, it's, it's out there quite a bit. Um, and so... Uh, but the book itself um, is, uh, there's also an audio version. So if you're not a reader with the pages, you can get the audio version and it's written in other languages, it's in other languages too. But um, anyway, yeah, so something um, you can just grab online and uh, I'm glad it's out there. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a great resource and, and tool for people. Um, Let's talk because of the sake of time. Let's talk about Missing Grace Foundation and how that came about and how people can help support you because of your mission is to bring hope and healing to the hurting. And um, this is such an important, it, it's really touched my heart just in having offline conversations with you. Uh, I've only dealt with personally gone through infertility, um, but I've had a lot of different type of loss in my life. And I know how important it is to one, have the skills that you talked about the whole grieving process, all types of loss, but specifically for this situation. And then how do people get support? So can you talk about your missing grace foundation? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, missing grace is obviously I'm missing my daughter grace, but then it, it became an acronym. So it's all caps with the grace and it's grieve, restore, arise, commemorate, and educate, helping people grieve, not judging that journey, just loving them through the journey, helping them restore their emotional, relational, physical, spiritual health, helping them arise out of the ashes of that dark place of grief and find hope again, helping them commemorate their loved ones to honor them is a very healing process and to educate where we learn from our stories to share it with others or learn from mistakes made so that those things don't happen and reoccur. Um, that's what we're about. And our, our foundation has um, both online support where you can have it from anywhere. You can join our support groups on Zoom. Um, you can uh, also go to a physical location. We have an office in Minnesota and we're opening a new office in South Carolina. Um, and we have events. We put on events every year to honor the lives of our, our precious babies and young children in heaven. And uh, we have a Hope and Hearts Run Walk event every fall. And then people put those on in other states. Uh, we've had it in Texas, Ohio, Kentucky, New Mexico. 
um, and Minnesota's will be on September 24th. Um, and then we have every October, October 15th is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. And that's nationally and all over the world. October has many different things related to remembrance of babies that have died. And so October 15th, we do a lantern release event uh, where we release, uh, we decorate them with the baby's names on them. And then we release the lanterns on a lake and they're biodegradable. And um, anyway, uh, we say each name aloud. We always want to say their names and remember them. Um, so it's about coming alongside people in a way to do something significant in their memory. Um, and then we are our, our most, I think, um, impactful thing that we do is our grace care packages. And the care packages are a, a plethora of items that have been created and put together to walk a, a grieving mom and dad through their process as they say hello and goodbye to their baby. These are created for miscarriage, stillbirth, um, pre uh, preemie, prenatal losses, um, having a, any loss that occurs in that first year of life um, for a, a baby. And, um, and, and these things will, they have like a hand and foot molding kit. They have literature walking through them through all of their questions, everything they're going to be asking a, an angel bear and a, a baby, an angel wing figurine and a um, bracelet jewelry to wear and soap and, and, and different things that are very calming and and we have a comfort warmer in there you warm it up in the microwave and it has essential oils in there and you heat it up and it smells good and it's comforting to your body and just a lot of thoughtful items that are are in there to walk somebody through this and um and then to honor their life or their loved one there's a candle in there and other memorable um, items so um, those things are all also a way to get back. So a lot of uh, what we do is all done through volunteerism. So a lot of our families say, look, I want to honor my baby. I'd like to donate one um, to a family who's losing a baby, or I'd like to donate the handmade blankets and the handmade baby gowns. We actually make burial gowns out of wedding dresses that people donate. I actually have six wedding dresses at the office right now waiting for sewers to help me get them made into baby mm -hmm. gowns. Um, we make baby outfits that are soft and cozy and comfy for while they're holding their baby. And we partner with other nonprofits and organizations like Bridget's Cradles. And she creates these beautiful cradles that little babies that can't fit in clothes can be inside mm -hmm. this little cradle. Um, and so we have a lot of different things that we do. And then these are all given to hospitals and clinics, even churches carry them and crisis pregnancy centers carry them um, to have on hand when they find out that this baby has no heartbeat or has a situation they can't survive. And so um, Missing Grace is missinggrace.org. Uh, people can visit us there and connect with me there. Um, and through the email is support at missinggrace.org. And it's just a lot of hands-on loving care. It's like a family that you get to be invited into. And we just love you as our own and, and your family to us. And we just want to help be there, whatever that looks like for you. Do you just need someone to talk to once in a while? Do you need to come and meet with us in person? Do you need resources mailed? Um, you know, do you need to give back and do something because you just, you're a server like I am and you want to help others and you're going to do it through acts of service. Um, we just, we would be honored to journey with you. Yeah. Such an important organization and one to help the person, you know, grieve the trauma and the loss uh, of their own child, but then the healing component to be able to give back and to uh, 
um, impact someone else's life who's going through a similar journey is so important and part of that healing process. So um, my heart goes out to you that you didn't have something like this when you were given the devastated news, but instead of becoming bitter or angry, what you did was chose to take that passion and turn it into a purpose as well as helping you and your family, but also helping countless others in, in their journey. So I just want to say thank you. And I love your heart and it's been such a pleasure getting to know you. And I just want to encourage the listeners. One, if you are grieving a loss, what would you say, Candy, if someone is, maybe they just were um, told that they just miscarried or that they were told that there is no heartbeat anymore, or that they were even possibly given a bad diagnosis with their baby in impending something. What would you say to that, that woman right now, or that husband? I would have done anything to talk to one other person before delivering who could have helped me know what I'm going into and what my rights were and what were things that I might want to consider doing. So one, I would say, reach out to us because I mean, I have goosebumps now saying this because it, it can really change how you grieve in the future because you, if you have a chance to do things that are validating and that are healing, you won't have the kind of regrets I have um, and many of us have. And so reach out to another grieving mom or dad first before you go into the hospital, before you deliver, or before you miscarry at home, just talk to somebody. We can help you know how to navigate the situation. And so my heart is to really, I want to reach people before it happens if possible. Um, the other thing is, um, if it's already happened and, you know, you are just really struggling with the now what, uh, again, talking with other grieving moms and dads will be tremendously helpful. Grabbing my book and kind of being an outsider, looking in into your own time, your own pace, when you, when you feel up to it, a book is always a great way to do that. Um, but just be gentle with yourself. Like, I feel like all of us are so hard on ourselves and, and critical of our own process. And, um, you know, if you could be the best friend to you right now, how would you treat yourself? Would you treat yourself like you're treating yourself? I think not like most often you, you just don't give yourself the allowance to have a bad day and stay in your pajamas and not go out into the world or to just, you know, go do a spa day. You, you deserve it. Go get a massage, go pamper yourself, go relax. You know, if you need to just about face and pick up and like get out of town and go do a little retreat by yourself, just time alone with God, time alone with a bestie or with your spouse or what have you. Um, it's okay to change your course of action of what is normal and what you're normally doing to address this deep emotion and all of what you're physically going through. And, um, you need to be kind to yourself and uh, give yourself allowance and space and room to do this process. And um, if you don't know the Lord and you haven't ever welcomed him into your life, I can say he's the greatest comforter of all. And um, it's my faith that ultimately has helped me come through this. At the time I pushed God away initially and that was my own process. Um, but it's not a great way to do things. I had to come back to, you know, and, and that was a very sweet homecoming for me to say, Lord, I, I do need you and I trust you. And I, 
I'm, I want to have a close relationship with you. And so mm -hmm. I do believe he's there just waiting to comfort you if you don't know him or he's been put at a distance at arm's length because you're, you're upset with him. He can handle that too. Yeah. But, um, you know, we will pray with you too. And I, if you want to give me a call, like it's, you know, it's right there on the website, call us up. And I pray with people all the time and help them just get through that hard day. Right. And remember, it's just today, right? Like you might be really struggling today and it just seems like the end of the world. Like you just can't do this anymore. It's so bad, but tomorrow is a new day. And I would find that a lot of times when I felt like I can't handle the pain of this grief anymore, the next day there would be such mercies. There would be something beautiful to live for. There would be something amazing coming. And so hang in there. Don't give up. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And then also to what you mentioned, you know, way back in, in our conversation about moving forward and still wanting to have a family and all of the fears and the thoughts and the what ifs that want to try to overtake you as well to paralyze you. So you don't move forward. You can also speak to that situation to help them be able to have the courage to have the hope and the faith to be able to still pursue the dreams that have um, been on your heart. Absolutely. Don't, don't give up hope for, for that future of the family you want. If you have a heart to be a mother and a father, and you are open to all the ways the Lord could bring you those babies, those children. I am very confident you will have that, that it, it may not look quite like you thought it would, but God is faithful and gracious. And, and I see God bring people the family that they've always wanted. And, um, you know, uh, it may take a while to get there. It, it may be different, like I say, in the process of how you get there, but um, press into that promise because children are a heritage and a blessing. And, you know, and the Lord says you should have a quiver full. They're, they're, they're precious and they're worth fighting for. They're worth working towards. They're, they're worth, you know, changing um, how you do things. Like I, I see a lot of people, they want a baby, but they're not willing to clean up the temple to, to try to become a cleaner vessel. And you might have to give up certain foods that you're intolerant to that create inflammation, or you might have to just move towards a much healthier diet and lifestyle and, you know, begin to implement exercise into your life and, and, and walking and, and doing things that are mindful to be, you know, um, saying positive things to, to yourself. I, I have, I have the ability and my body is blessed and, and I can move forward and receive life. And I welcome life to this body and I welcome how, you know, just a, a different way of thinking, Lord, help me to have a mind that thinks about the good things, says whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever you, you want to think about the things that will bless your mind and your heart and your body. And so I, I love to train people on that too. That's a huge passion of mine is helping people change the trajectory of their life through health and wellness. And um, you might want to get a health and wellness coach. You might want to work with somebody different than you've ever worked with. Find a naturopath, find a, a homeopath, find, you know, a holistic, a functional medicine doctor and start to figure out why do I have these issues? Why am I infertile or why is my body not doing what it needs to do? And, um, it, you know, you might be surprised how much better you feel too, when you just clean those areas up of your life as well. And so uh, don't give up hope because I have seen people who have been told over and over by doctor after doctor, you won't have any children. It's not going to work out for you. And they have many children now. Sorry. And 
Um, so I, I can tell you many, many stories of a beautiful breakthrough and incredible miracles. And I believe that can happen for you too. Hmm. Awesome. I just want to encourage listeners, get your book, Holding On to Love After You've Lost a Baby, The Five Love Languages for Grieving Parents. They can either get that on Amazon or at candymcnicker.com. Or can they get it at all on missinggrace.org? No, we don't have it through Missing Grace except in the care packages. Um, Okay. Yes, you so, can order it on Amazon or through my website. There's all the different links that show all these different bookstores online that you can buy them. Um, so it's definitely an online purchase and, and uh, you know, free shipping, I think, through, through Amazon. And um, yeah, and, and also one thing I wanted to mention is a lot of people have told me they're this is a great book to just grab those few chapters. Like if it maybe it doesn't all apply for you, but you can go yeah. to that chapter and go this chapter helped me a lot. Yeah. And so um, I would encourage you to also look at it like that, that, and there's tools to walk through it. We call it your turn where Dr. Chapman and I really believe in giving you a, a guided tour through how to implement that chapter into your life and how to utilize that information and break it down. And, and so there's lots of different kind of self-help uh, situations situations where you can look at that chapter and then do some journaling and do some work to be able to um, help your heart heal in that area. Um, So yeah, and and you know, I'm blessed when people share they just bought a bunch of copies, they keep it on hand. A girlfriend just told me yesterday, she said, two friends of mine just lost babies this week, and I Mm -hmm. gave them each a copy. And so I appreciate that too. If you feel led to just be a resource to grab a few of those grab five of them, you know, and then go and give them out, give them one to your pastor, give one to have at the library, you know, in your local community. Um, there's lots of ways you can help share the love and, and help this continue on. And as well as if you're a grieving mom or dad, and, and you just, you really would like a special way to honor your loved ones, then Missing Grace really needs your help too. If you were to donate to our foundation at missinggrace.org, um, you can donate um, not only financially, but you can also designate if there's something you really want to help with like care packages to a particular hospital, you can donate care packages. um, And we can work with you to do that or to your local community to somewhere in your community, a clinic you had your your baby through. Um, And then also, if you wanted to give your time, we are desperately in need of volunteers right now. And um, we can't do what we do without a lot of volunteers. So if you'd like to get involved, whether you're um, in Minnesota or South Carolina, or you're in a totally different state, we have lots of projects that can be done from home, from a computer from a phone. Um, so we'd love to connect with you. Yeah. Perfect. That they don't have to be in your local area to be able to use their time, gifts, and talents. And I'm just going to encourage everyone. This is a great ministry that it is tax deductible donation as well. And if you want to make an impact in someone's life, this goes directly to the recipients. And, um, I just can't encourage you enough to be able to, um, partner with this foundation to help them impact lives and bring hope and healing to the, to the hurting. And so I just want to encourage everyone again, missinggrace.org and then candymcvicker.com. And I will have all that in the show notes, but, uh, until next time, we just pray. Do we want to pray real quick, Candy? Would you just pray for the listeners? Absolutely. I'd be honored to. <sighs> Dear gracious Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to meet with Lori, and I appreciate her so much. Lori, just sharing her heart and 
opening herself up to work with all these different people she's interviewing to be able to get a message of hope and encouragement and resource out to you out to the out uh, to the community um, and connect them to you as well lord and father I, I just pray that the message from today goes forth and we reach everybody who needs to know what we have to share lord that they know that they're not alone that they know that there's really helpful resources that apply to their life and their situation, um, Lord, and, and that people will be compelled to share it with others that they know who it could help. Um, Lord, I, I want to lift up to you every grieving mom, dad, and, and, and person in the world, Lord, who has a loved one that they've lost. Um, Lord, you are a great comforter through your spirit, and I, I just pray right now for your presence to be so strong to each one of those who are grieving that they feel a tangible expression of your love. And Father, I pray that you would pull people out of the dark place. Lord, anyone who's in a, in a place of depression, of fear, of anxiety, I just pray that would be broken off in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, they'd be lifted out of the miry pit and be brought forth to where they stand again on a rock and they can see again and have vision again and have hope again and have joy again. Lord, I pray for the healing uh, and the lifting of the weight of the spirit of grief, lifting it off of those people right now, Lord God. And Father, I, I just thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning and great is your faithfulness. I pray, God, that each, each one that hears this will be encouraged by you today that they'll, they'll just have a, a new vision about their day and, and a new hope about their day. And, and Lord, that you will just minister to them as only you can. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Candy. And as always, um, I just pray a blessing over everyone and that you were created to thrive. So God bless.